With MailChimp, you get a whole lot more than a URL. You get an all-in-one marketing platform to help drive sales. That means you can connect your data to make more informed, smarter decisions. And you get powerful automation tools like our customer journey builder to ensure you never miss an opportunity to turn shoppers into loyal customers. So if you're ready to integrate your marketing and boost sales, get started today at MailChimp.com slash smart marketing. MailChimp, built for growing businesses. Right now, one in seven people around the world needs a pair of glasses but can't get them. That's why OneSight exists, to help people everywhere get the glasses they need to learn more, earn more, and see a clearer future. How can you support OneSight's mission in communities around the world? All it takes is a simple donation to improve someone's life by giving them clear vision. Donate today at OneSight.org. That's O-N-E-S-I-G-H-T dot org. Welcome back to another episode of the Let's Free Ring Podcast. It's great to be able to say that. You see, I had to take a hiatus due to some legal issues that I'm not quite sure if I'm allowed to speak about. Everything's good. I didn't do anything wrong. The judge sided with me in the case. Um, but we are back, and we have a great episode, and I've missed a lot. Um, I- I've missed this podcast about as much as at least the conservatives in America have missed Donald Trump. I mean, six months ago. The, the the U.S. under the leadership of President Trump and Secretary of State Pompeo and and everyone were a, they were able to secure multiple peace deals. They were able to bring Israel together with a lot of countries. And what we have seen now under the leadership of Joe Biden, or should I say, most likely Kamala Harris, is that. These countries that we once had in agreement with Israel, now it, it appears that we are on the path to World War Three. It, it appears that we're on the pathway to another war, and of course, not just because you know Hamas and Palestine and you know Israel and Mossad are, are fighting. They've been fighting for years. They've been fighting probably some for. for at least since the 1950s, at the very least. But also because we have a president who does not command America's respect on the world stage. Just imagine for a second. Let's say two years ago, when President Trump was president, that a Russian hacker group, which anybody who knows anything about Russia knows that you know, it's pretty much the Russian government, hacks a pipeline in which a good portion of America, uh, about a quarter of it, are, are suffering a gas shortage because a gas pipeline got shut down. What, what do you think that, what do you think Donald Trump would have done? Donald Trump immediately would have commanded the world stage, said that this act of terrorism, that's what it was, this, was, this wasn't obviously... This is nothing in, in terms of terrorism like suicide bombings or, or anything like that. But this was an act of terrorism. That this act would go, this act would not go unpunished. That whoever committed this act would have to face consequences for it. 
He would have done that. What did Biden do? Well, let's start with first off. Biden canceled the Keystone Pipeline. That would have very soon, it, it would have started to supply gas to, to the United States. Under President Trump, for the first time in my lifetime, we became an oil, a net oil exporter. Meaning we, we sold more oil than we brought in. Which is why you start to see a lot of people, you start to see a lot of, of the companies, you start to see gas prices go down. And I've seen a lot of people, you know, mostly those who listen to MSNBC and, and CNN say, oh, you cannot blame Joe Biden for the gas prices. Well, yes, you can. Oh, you sure can. You see, yes, technically gas prices are are subject to supply and demand. You know, the supply goes up, the demand goes up, that can all change the price. I'm not going to say you can't. However, and what's key to remember here is Biden lowered the supply. Biden lowered the supply going into the summer because he signed in his first couple of days, he's, he, he got rid of the Keystone Pipeline. Now, that's not all Biden's fault. We knew he was going to do that. But what we did not know, <clears throat> excuse me, what we did not know is that we would be hacked. We did not know that that he would sit by and not even go with sanctions on the country that hacked our pipeline. He would just sit by. He would just let it go. You see, folks, this is why I said right before the November election, and I know that seems a, a while ago, right before the November election, I said that if you elect Joe Biden... Just because Donald Trump put some mean tweets out there, you would regret it. And I hate to say it, but I told you so. Uh, down here, it's graduation weekend. Uh, a bunch of high schoolers that I went, you know, that I went to school with—they were sophomores when I graduated—are graduating, and I knew a lot of them. And I got invited to a graduation party yesterday uh, for this girl named Megan. Well, Megan. And I have been friends for a while. Don't worry. She's extremely conservative. We've been friends for a while. Um, but I get to meet some of her family that I've never met. Um, and one of them comes from Michigan. And he told me, <clears throat> he told me that he was, that he, he, he said word for word, basically, I agreed with 95% of Trump's policies and knew for a fact I disagree with 95% of Biden's policies. But I just could not wrap my head around voting for a guy who who conducts himself like this. And I looked that man, <clears throat> I looked that man straight in the face. And I said, "Listen. You only get a couple of presidents a lifetime who have the real power to make change. Barack Obama was a president who had the real power to make change. He 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 it's undoubted that he was able to bring over a lot of conservative support in the very beginning because he was seen as anti-establishment. He, him, him and President Trump were very, very, very close in terms of the campaign they ran. They were both not supposed to win. That was uh, Hillary Clinton was supposed to be the nominee in 2010, 2008. Sorry, but Barack Obama came onto the scene as a first-term senator and won it. 
Barack Obama and Donald Trump both had the ability to change things. And before that 2018 midterms and the rhinos and, and Paul Ryan and John McCain, and he, he was almost there. I mean, just imagine how, our, how good our healthcare system would be right now if John McCain wouldn't have voted no in spite. And look, I agree with it. I, I, I don't think that John McCain should have been berated the way he was. And I'm not going to sit here and say that John McCain wasn't a war hero because he was captured. I watched a documentary about it recently, um, I guess about six months ago now, and, and John McCain was the son of an admiral, and they, the North Vietnamese, Viet Cong, I guess it would be, had the ability to release him. And they were going to release him, you know, kind of to show, oh, this admiral's son is getting special, special, uh, he was getting treated preferably. But instead, and he realized that's what they would do, he did not let them go, and, he, and then he stayed there for years longer. So I, I think John McCain is a war hero, personally. I think anyone who, who, who puts their lives on the line overseas is a war hero, whether you, if you're a cook in the Air Force or you're, on, you're a Navy SEAL, I think you're a war hero. I think you're a hero. I think you're an American hero, and you deserve the respect. But does that mean that I'm not going to vote for the president who's got the most done in four years, at least in my lifetime? No. I, I voted for him. I knocked on doors i volunteered to knock on doors to get people to vote for him i wanted president trump to do it because sure he's a little bit he's a little bit you know abrasive he, he's a little divisive i don't think anybody any reasonable person would argue that he he hasn't pushed people away because of not just how he talks which i think is a small thing i i do think he has said some things that probably he has regretted afterwards but I, I think a lot of it is due to how the media treats him, how the media speaks about him. And so I really think that what you're going to see in 2020, you know, obviously the campaign for the primary of, 20, of, of 2024 is going to start in 2023. What you're going to see is you're, you're, you're going to see not Trump get back into the race. You're not going to see Donald Trump run again because he knows that there are a lot of Republicans and conservatives who agree with his message, but because they simply watched MSNBC, CNN, uh, CBS, ABC, whatever it may be, that they are inherently turned off to him. That no matter what happens, anybody with the last name Trump, they're automatically turned off to. Not because they don't agree with his policies. Oh, they love his policies. They think he's the best president of our lifetime. But see, what they disagree with is how he talks. And... The great thing about America is you have the right to vote for whoever you want to for whatever reason, um, and I may disagree with it. And if you think Donald Trump's policies have done a great job, but you think he's a little too vulgar, and you vote for a guy who has been elected since my grandfather was in was in Vietnam, um, that's the problem. I mean, Joe Biden has been in office longer than my mother's been alive. Joe Biden is... He is the epitome of everything that BLM and Antifa were writing up against last summer. Everything that that they were writing against the systemic racism, everything like that. He is he played some role in making it policy. I mean, just look how he treated Clarence Thomas when 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 he he got appointed by uh, President H. W. Bush, George H. W. Bush. Just look at that. 
just look at that later on later on the episode we got a we got david bell isle coming on the show he um He's running against Brad Raffensperger for Secretary of State in my home state of Georgia. We got him coming back on the show. If you're still listening at this point, though, make sure you subscribe um, and stay tuned in. That way, I can continue to teach you to learn you guys some things as uh, as this all all breaks down. But uh, we got some great things coming up. I, I do want to talk about I, I do want to talk about the vaccines. Um, so, as everyone here knows, I, I I live in Georgia, go to college in Georgia, and enroll- I go to UGA, I go dogs, sick them, whatever you want to say. So, I got an email from the chancellor of my school, or sorry, the president of my school. And I'm going to pull it up if you guys don't mind giving me just one second to get to it. They make you verify everything now with uh, with with two forms. So, they'll, uh, you, know, you got to log in and then they'll send you a push notification and it's all just stupid. I just want to be able to log in very quickly. So, just... Just give me one second. I'm trying to pull it all up for you. Um, yeah, this is it. Hold on. This is from the president. It said, good morning, faculty, staff, and students, blah, blah, blah. Um, while many of the details are sure to be determined, we have received updated COVID-19 guidance from the USG University System of Georgia for fall 2021. In accordance with the most recent recommendations from the CDC and the Georgia Department of Public Health, I'm asking the chairs of the COVID-19 working groups who designed the most successful implementation of our initial protocols to reconvene their groups, discuss the USG guidance, and update our plans. In the meantime, the following protocols apply to all members in the USG, effective immediately. Uh, Fully vaccinated two weeks after the second dose of Pfizer, Moderna, or Johnson & Johnson, individuals may resume activities on campus without social distancing and without wearing a face covering. Unvaccinated individuals should continue to social distance and continue to wear a face covering. As stated for all USG institutions, it is your individual responsibility to follow distancing and face covering guidelines according to your vaccination status. So, uh, so what I'm assuming is, what, what I'm gathering from that is, if you're not vaccinated, you still have to wear a mask. But if you just tell them you're vaccinated, you don't. You see, this is, this is the problem. I, I don't think that, I don't think that public colleges who receive public money should be able to in any way require you to get almost any vaccine but and don't get this twisted this is not me saying that i'm anti-vax that i think that all vaccines are inherently bad but what i am arguing is to look at all the facts to look at and i know some people on the left don't like to look at facts but look at all the facts look at all the all the issues look at all the different things that could happen based on your age based on pre-existing conditions whatever it may be Look at all of those and you can take the risk because what's the risk of taking the vaccine? Well, the, the number is, is greater than zero. It's less than a hundred. You're not going to die if you take it. Not everyone who takes it is going to die, but it, it's greater than zero. There, there is some risk, whether it's small, you know, whether you just feel a little ill for a few days and everything else, that's fine. You know, cause I do think that some of this, I do think that these vaccines are probably inherently safe um, for the vast majority of people, but I do think there are people who shouldn't take it. Um, And I think that you should make up your own mind whether or not you want to take it. That's a great thing about this great country we live in. So someone who's my age, right? I'm 19. I'm going to live hopefully another 55, 65 years. And so hopefully, like I said, I'll live for 
six, five, six more decades. And we have no long-term trial on these things. We don't. Now, does that mean that I think some people shouldn't get it? Absolutely not. If you're in the prime, if you're in the prime target to be very susceptible to COVID-19, you, you, you maybe should get it. However, if you're someone like me, who even if I do get COVID-19, which at this point looks very unlikely because, you know, more and more people are getting vaccinated every day. If I do get COVID-19, the likelihood, first off, it's very rare that I could get COVID-19 due to my age and my health. But if I do, again, due to my age and my health, it's even way less likely that it's anything life-threatening at all. The worst case I've heard of and any of my immediate friends is somebody who had it in October and she uh, lost her, her sense of taste. She hasn't been able to taste since like October, November-ish. And if that's the worst thing that you have to put up with, that's that's okay. That's not anything that's undoable. My grandfather served in Vietnam and he lost his sense of smell in Vietnam. He, he has since said that um, it's probably a good thing due to uh, his wife's cooking, my grandmother. But still, that's not the point. The point is that if that's my biggest risk, is temporarily or even maybe permanently losing my sense of taste, sense of smell, while that would be bad, we don't know what the risk with these vaccines are. We don't know what the risk with these are long-term. Who knows 30 years from now, it's not going to cause cancer. Who knows? No one knows. Because just like they didn't think Agent Orange, and uh, you guys see them all the time, if you or your loved ones took this or took that, or you know, if you or your loved ones suffer from mesothelioma, We've all seen these commercials. So what I'm saying is make your own decisions, take your own risk, because that's the beauty of America. The beauty of America is being able to make choices for you and your family that I don't have to agree with, and I can make choices that you don't have to agree with. And I don't think that public colleges and universities should be able to require this being that it's not fully FDA approved. It's only approved for emergency use, which is a way different thing. It's completely different. And every time that the head of the FDA is in front of Congress or or the House or the Senate, he always says, I'm not going to rush this along for political reasons. I'm not going to rush this along for political reasons. But like I've been saying, the fact that Joe Biden is the only person getting credit for these vaccines is, it's blasphemy, really. I mean, it's just like when Trump start, tried to take credit for the economy, which he, sh- he should have done, in the beginning of his presidency, he said, no, 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 that was Obama. That was all Obama. Obama did that. And now, they now they're, now they're saying, oh, well, the economy is now thanks to President Biden. When, if you look at it, the only place where the economy really got worse, got, got ruined for, for going on a little over a year, was in blue states. Or by weak Republican governors. I mean, Georgia, for instance. We, we, we did it, you know, we said 15 days to flatten the curve. It ended up being like a month and a half, six weeks or so. Um, and, after, and we've been pretty much open ever since. We have been pretty, and now we're at the point where we have so many people coming here to the great state of Georgia to vacation that they're boosting up demand in our economy that we don't have enough workers. Now, that could be because 
so many people want unemployment and whatever it may be, but we don't have enough workers. So all I am saying is, is that you, we need to, you need to take a serious look at it and President Trump needs to get credit for cutting a lot of the red flat, red, te- red tape that stopped this from coming out in the first place. Because if this was under any Democrat president, that vaccine wouldn't be coming out for two more years. We'd have to listen to Anthony Fauci for two more years. I haven't listened to him since his first interview, but that's not the point. So uh, my next guest coming on, his name is uh, David Belisle. He is uh, the former mayor of Alpharetta, Georgia. Uh, I believe that's in Forsyth County up there in Alpharetta. Um, he is a uh, former mayor. He ran for secretary of state in 2018. He lost by, I'm going to pull it up just so I'm correct, but he, he lost by not not that much. Just give me one second. Um, in 2018 to, to, to Brad Raffensperger, he lost by not that much because of Brad. Brad just had a lot of money. I'm not going to lie to you. Brad's a very wealthy man uh, before this. Um, so without further ado, uh, David, thank you so much for, for coming on. Would you please introduce yourself to the audience? Well, hello. I'm David Belisle. I'm a former mayor of Alpharetta, a product of Gainesville, Georgia, a husband to a 24-year marriage or to a tw- wife of 24 years and two teenage kids. Uh, and I'm a, a practicing attorney, a small business owner. Glad to be here with you. Well, David, I definitely appreciate you know you taking the time and everything. You know, I know you got a busy schedule, like you said, being a lawyer now that you're running for a campaign. Um, you know, a lot of people of my listeners who aren't in Georgia, they, they just learned that Georgia has a Secretary of State that's elected. His name's Brad Raffensperger. I'm assuming you're not a big fan, given that you ran against him now for the second time. Um, so, for people who don't kind of understand, you know, what caused you to say, "Let's throw my hat in this again"? What led you to to think that Raffensperger's not doing the best job? Well, you know, uh, I'm a good sport. So we we uh, we ran last time, and it was four years, uh, in, uh, four years ago, and uh, we were one of four candidates in that race. We battled our way to first place uh, all the way up to six weeks uh, prior to the uh, the primary last time, and uh, Brad pulled out a, uh, his checkbook, wrote a two million dollar check, and bought the election. Uh, we understood that we got that. And we understood also he was a Republican. We assumed like so many Georgians did that because he was a Republican, that he would be in favor of election integrity, uh, and that he would run that, uh, the elections in Georgia. Well, he did not, uh, you know, we sat there. I went to back to Alpharetta. I volunteered as a sixth district chair. Uh, I volunteered to help Trump get reelected and other Republicans get elected, uh, and then we just simply watched what happened. And, and what we saw was him sign this consent decree with Stacey Abrams and Fair Fight Georgia, uh, bargained away our election integrity, uh, the ability for the 159 counties to be able to reject invalid mail-in ballots. Uh, we saw him send uh, absentee ballot applications to all the members of the active voter list uh, and the inactive voter list unrequested. Uh, we saw him install hundreds of drop boxes across the state of Georgia. Uh, and we saw as a result of that, uh, certainly in the runoff after the presidential election, we saw over 300,000 Georgians uh, decide not to participate in the election, uh, to decide that they didn't believe that it was fair or that the uh, election would be managed well. And so they stayed home. And as a result, we lost uh, the U.S. Senate uh, election. And we have Senators John Ossoff, and Senator Raphael Warnock, 
And more importantly, certainly from a national perspective, is that the balance of power in the U.S. Senate now rests firmly in Democrat hands. And that was our last line of defense as Republicans in this country was the Senate. Uh, they already have the House. They uh, certainly have that at the moment, the presidency. And uh, this was our last line of defense. And we saw that go away. And so I never thought I would throw my hat back in the ring, but I'm throwing my hat back in the ring because I believe two things. One, that the elections, the, the way they've been handled is an absolute mess. And B, we have lost so much voter confidence that we have created a situation of true voter suppression where people don't believe in the process, they don't believe it's fair, and so they don't want to participate in that. I believe I'm the best person to to solve this, to bring this back. Uh, being a proven executive as a former mayor, uh, being a uh, an attorney with a legal background, being a critical thinker, I believe that we can bring this back to be able to restore voter confidence and clean up the mess in Georgia. Yeah, and you know, for the for the listeners at home, we're recording this right after one of the biggest campaign stops I've seen in Camden County history. Um, when you came down and got to speak to a large group of diverse Republicans who, who want to, and some Democrats who want to hear what you're going to do, you did mention something about there's two different types of of camp elections uh, to look back on. Do you mind, you know, elaborating on that and letting the listeners at home understand what what, what you're going about? Yes. Yeah, so the you know, the thing about elections is that you know right now the you know the best case scenario in an election is that is a fair election and that you can prove it was fair. And then the second base, second best case scenario, and it's not necessarily intuitive, you wouldn't necessarily guess it, but the second best case scenario is that the election was fraudulent or that it was stolen, uh, but you can prove that it was fraudulent. And in this case, we find ourselves yet in the third place scenario, which is the worst case scenario, and that is that we can prove that the election was neither fair nor fraudulent. And because of that, because of that uncertainty, what we find is, is that Thousands, hundreds of thousands of Republicans uh, did not view the elections as fair. They decided not to show up. And that's what ended up ultimately changing not only the result of the senator elections in the state of Georgia, but also the balance of power in the U.S. Senate. It's no wonder that President Trump was frustrated uh, based on what happened here in Georgia. Yeah, you know, I completely agree. I, I want there to be, you know, from Republican to Democrat, Libertarian, even if you supported Kanye, I want you to be able to look at the election and say, well, even if my candidate won, lost, draw, whatever, that that it was fair. Um, and that's something I, I've heard people say. Uh, you know, I, I was listening to an interview with Dave Chappelle, and he was like, yeah, I said that, uh, you know, I wanted Trump to do good because he was duly elected. And the idea that anybody is questioning the elections goes ahead and shows that maybe your opponent hasn't done the best job in um in his office um a lot of people have have called on georgia and brad raffsberger and governor kemp and everyone to to get rid of dominion to to get rid of uh the dominion voting machines you know obviously i think you you probably know more about this than i do being that you're running for the office and i just talk for a living so would you mind kind of explaining to people you know what what you would like to do with that moving forward because i know that you've had some some opinions about dominion yourself yeah, so what we're finding is is that, you know, there are, you know, regardless of where you fall on the issue, some people believe that certainly Dominion uh, somehow turned votes from, from Trump to Biden. Some people believe that, that, look, Dominion is fine. But here's what we know, is that a sizable percentage of Republicans look at Dominion and they don't trust it. And in order for elections to be fair, and certainly in order for conservatives to win elections, we need 100% of our voting strength. And as long as Dominion is the process that we have, we won't have 100% of our voting strength. So I'm advocating that we move to a hand-marked paper ballot 
validated then or sent to a tabulator. This is what 35 of the 50 states in, in the United States do. Is that they, you know, Florida and Texas, we often look to them for what they've done in terms of election integrity. That's the type of system that they have, and that's what we need to move to, where you simply fill in the circles. You're able to validate the vote by looking at it yourself. You submit that into a machine, which creates an electronic record of that. And then I believe also, so when, when, when there's an audit challenge or when we do a recount, that we would have a separate hardware and software validate or to review those same paper ballots so that you have a, a separate, essentially a separate opinion. And if there's, if there don't, if they don't match, that's the reason to investigate further. And I think that's where we need to be as a state. That's how we build and recapture voter confidence in the state of Georgia. Well, David, I, I gotta ask, you know, you're, you, you had a, you have, or have, I'm assuming, still a very successful law firm. Um, you know, now you you gotta you gotta travel. You know, the entire state of Georgia. I know we're recording this like eight o'clock in the afternoon, right in the evening. And you told me that you left your house this morning at, at four a.m. I'm assuming it's a nice house. So to leave that, come all the way down, about a six hour trip, and already make a couple of stops in between. I have to ask. You know, I'm the Secretary of State doesn't make that much money. So what? And the Secretary of State. For those who don't understand, at least in Georgia, you're over elections, you're over corporations, LLCs, nonprofits, charities. So there's so much there to do, and you don't get a lot of name recognition unless you do unless you do a bad job and the president wants you to be fired. Um, so why 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 are you running for this? I mean, it, it doesn't seem like you need the job. So if you don't mind telling us, you know, kind of why. Well, no, you're right. Um, first of all, it is a pay cut. Uh, it's also a longer commute. Right now, my commute is just a touch under three miles. <laughs> and if I need to go home for lunch, I can go home for lunch. Um, if I'm successful and I get this job, not only do I get a pay cut, uh, but I get a 45-hour commute one way uh, to boot. But here's the thing. It's critical and it's important. You know, what, what we saw, uh, certainly with respect to the absentee ballots, we saw a system that, that Brad was willing to sign off on with Stacey Abrams of Fair Fight Georgia that essentially required all 159 counties to validate uh, all mail-in ballot votes. And so you went from a rejection rate uh, for invalid mail-in ballots 2018 and prior to 3.5% or more to, in 2020, it was 0.3%. And so you had 42,000 ballots that were approved in 2020 and counted that in any other year would have been rejected. And that's because of the agreement that Brad Raffensperger agreed to sign. What we're dealing with is election failure. You're seeing essentially, um, you know, people who just don't want to participate in that process. They don't believe in that process. We have to be aggressive in recapturing voter confidence. That's why I'm saying that we move beyond Dominion to that hand-marked paper ballot. And here's the thing. This is not an easy job. This is the hardest job in politics, presumably, by a lot of people, uh, the, the worst job in politics. It's not a, a job where you can simply have an opinion and that's enough. It's a job that covers not only elections, as you pointed out, it's securities, it's corporations, it's licensing, it's charities. All those departments need leadership. All those departments need effort. But even in elections alone, you have 159 county board of elections and you do not have direct control over those county boards of elections. You have a state board of elections, which thanks to Brad, the secretary of state no longer even has a vote on. The legislature is the one that determines the law. 
the courts interpret it. And so in order to make that work, you've got to be able to lead from a platform. In other words, to cast a vision from the secretary of state seat, not because you have the authority or the resources to do so. As the former mayor of Alpharetta, we accomplished some amazing things. We were able to create a new downtown for our city. Uh, Avalon, for those of you who've ever been to Alpharetta, you just have to see it. Uh, we were able to take our core industry, our core job creating industry, and build it from 400 to 400 companies to over 700 companies. And, and we were able to bring a technical college. We were able to bring a conference center. We were able to bring a new trail system. I tell you those things because what we were able to do was not the province of the mayor. It was not simply you decree it and it becomes. It was something that you had to take that seat and get people in your organization and outside your organization to come on board with that to be able to bring these things into reality. And we did just that. And that's the kind of leadership experience we're going to need to get the question of the Secretary of State right this time. So we have to clean up the mess. We have to restore voter confidence. I believe I'm the best person to do that. Yeah, and like you mentioned, you know, roughly 42,000 ballots could have, you know, got looked at. I, I know Governor Kemp was down here, and he, he even mentioned that. Absentee ballots are great when they uh, when they are half of like maybe one to five percent of the total voting population but when i don't know maybe what 30 40 50 percent of people are voting via absentee you know like you said forty-two thousand. i mean i know when the purdue's came down and obviously your campaign manager would probably know a little bit better if he got ten thousand more votes he would have won on election night um so so you know I, I like you. I think you'll do a great job. Um, but to the people listening at home, where can they, you know, get tuned in if they if they're in Georgia? Where can they help you? But you know, obviously, you need to raise some money so we can get Brad out of office. Um, where, where can people reach you to be able to help out the Bell Isle campaign? No, thank you for asking. You can certainly reach us at davidbellisle.com, and I, I should spell that last name. Uh, it's B E L L E I S L E. But also check us out on Facebook. Our, our Facebook page is easy to find. Just Google David Bell Isle. Follow us there, and you'll see our campaign stops. You'll see our messaging. Uh, and we'd love for you to reach out to us, too. We need, we're going to need volunteer support. We're going to need votes, and we're going to need money. Uh, and if you see the situation as dire as we do, we would love your support in any of those ways or all of those ways. So uh, davidbellisle.com, David Bell Isle on Facebook. We'd love for, your, love for you to follow us there. Again, thank you so much uh, to Mr. Belisle for for coming on. Um, he, you know, I gotta commend him for you know the dedication he he is giving to to this race. He, um, I was talking to his campaign manager before he came on, and um, I mean, they woke up at four a.m. that morning to drive. You know, they went to Augusta, and then and then they came. To, they ended up like in the car for like seven eight hours yesterday. Um, before they came down to, to my part of Georgia. So um, it was very glad, you know, thankful to, to have them on. Anytime I can ever have any candidate on, especially my home district, I'm always, um, or home state, home district, whatever you want to call it, I'm always very, uh, very eager to have them on. Um, and what he said is very important. You know, I, I never thought about it that way, but you want to be able to prove that an election was either fair or fraudulent. Because if you can prove neither, that's when people can cast doubts about the election. And that, unfortunately... It is the product of of um, Mr. Brad Raffensperger's job as Secretary of State. That that's because he led to such a way that that there's no trust. And see, my thoughts on Dominion. You know, I, I don't know if Dominion changed votes for for Trump. You know, and certainly if you have evidence of it, show it to me. 
and I don't know, for instance, I, I think the bigger part of fraud, really, that that was more susceptible to fraud was the absentee ballots. You know, I, my my state senator, his name's William Ligon, he uh, chaired the committee when Rudy Giuliani came to testify and everything. And I, I was talking to him before all that and everything, and he told me that that there had been a lot of people who came to him and said, when I went to the voting precinct, they said I had already turned in an absentee ballot, this, that, the other. That, and they had not done that. They had not done that. Um, so it's very important to realize that. It's very important to realize that how much fraud was in this election. The answer is not zero, but the answer is probably not a hundred percent either. Where is that at? I have no idea what number it is, but I do know that the that Dominion and the widespread everyone getting an absentee ballot have caused a lot of people not to trust the system, not to trust um, the voting process, which is what happens in banana republics. It's not supposed to happen in America. So it'll be very interesting to see, you know, what happens moving forward. Um, you know, if the state of Georgia decides to, to elect David Belisle, um, what happens there? You know, I think he seems like a genuine guy and I like him. Um, of course, I don't make any endorsements on this podcast, but I, I like him. I think he's a good guy. And of course, if, if any of his opponents want to come on, I, I will extend that to them to let them, you know, even even if Brad wants to come on, I'll extend that to him to let him, you know, at least give his side of the story. Um, and same with anyone else in that race um, who, you know, who actually stands a chance of winning. I'd love to give them the ability. Um, but I want to thank you guys so much for listening to another week's episode of the Let Friend Ring podcast. I have some great things coming soon. I hope you guys stay in touch. Make sure that you guys uh, have have subscribed, um, and we will see you guys next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Let Friend Ring podcast. Make sure you hit that subscribe button because you don't want to miss out on our great episodes coming out every Monday. Thanks to your support, we are quickly becoming the fastest growing teenage conservative podcast in the nation. As always, if you have any questions or concerns, you can email me, noah at noahring.org. Again, that's noah at noahring.org. Thank you guys a ton. I'll see you guys next Monday. Y'all have a blessed week. Recently, Total Wireless helped Charlie Michelle stage a virtual dance recital for her friends and family. This event was super meaningful to them. Because when you move to Total Wireless, you can get amazing devices on nationwide 5G. And with unlimited plans starting at $25 a month, you could save up to $1,200 a year. Thank you, Total Wireless, for helping me pull this off. Total Wireless. Do amazing. Compatible 5G device required. 5G network in limited areas. Month equals 30 days. Savings claim made when compared to four-line postpaid plans of leading carriers 10-2020. See terms and conditions at TotalWireless.com. Staples helps small businesses print big. The print advisors at Staples sweat the details and quality of every project. That's what they call their print big promise. They're committed to getting your print job right every time, to treating your small business like a big deal and making it come to life, and to giving you expert guidance from start to finish. And now get 20% off signs, banners, and posters when you spend $75 or more at Staples. Offer ends January 1st.